No. Yes. Man, it works every time. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros, your second favorite Dynasty podcast. Tonight is Wednesday, March 2nd. We're your hosts, Tom and Sam, joined tonight by one of the Dynasty community's favorite analysts, Pro Football Focus's Ben Brown. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. This is the first time I've gotten to chat with Sam as well, so it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. So Yeah, Ben, we're excited to have you join. Uh, thanks for staying up late. I know you and I are both putting the, the kids <laughs> to sleep, obviously, in separate houses, but it sounds like we go through some of the same crazy rigmarole at bedtime every night. So right. thanks for staying up extra late for us. Yeah, we, we, we messed about, you know, the kids being in similar ages. And, yeah, bedtime every single night is... It's just something that, you know, I, I I don't even know how to put into, like, correct words for people. But the others that are, you know, like, planning on it maybe don't know what they're getting themselves into now. It's uh, You could maybe start a whole podcast on, you know, just fatherly <laughs> advice, basically, for kids at young ages. I don't know. So maybe that's an untapped market to get into as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, we could do a show on uh, on just toddler bedtime. But, yeah, the right? best way to, to describe it is controlled chaos, but mm -hmm. it's, it's not as controlled as, as you try to make it, especially Never. when you're fighting three of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so I, true. I appreciate you guys uh, put it, throwing your kids in, in the kennel for an hour here so, so we can do a, <laughs> do a show. But tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about guillotine league strategy, players' values going into the 2022 season. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, ben, you've you've been getting into doing some some dynasty rankings and and some values. So two guys kind of jumped out at me in, in your uh, your your wide receiver rankings. But you've got Amon Rod St. Brown ranked as your wide receiver twenty. You're you're pretty excited about him going into year two. I feel like I, I mean maybe that's a little bit overstated, but I do feel like a lot of people are pretty high on him given his target volume that he had, and that is kind of the question going into year two, right? If the Lions are better. Um, like, and they have, you know, better receivers at that position of, you know, DeAndre Swift is back as well. Like, is he going to get that target volume that he saw in the second half of last year? Um, but I don't know when we've seen wide receivers have that productive of rookie seasons, they have gone on to be really productive in their entire careers. So I think buying into them early on, even though the fact that, you know, the Lions weren't all that great last year, maybe he actually has to prove it in a team that's going to be somewhat close to in the playoff race, but uh, I like him on Ross St. Brown. I liked him kind of coming out of USC, and I do think that uh, trying to capture some of his upside makes sense from a dynasty perspective. I don't know. Like, would you not have him in uh, a similar range, maybe as like a Michael Thomas or, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. or something like that? Like, where would where would you have him on Ross St. Brown ranked, and do you think? So I might be kind of nitpicking here, and, and maybe, maybe Sam has uh, has a similar or, or different um, approach to, to this, but I, I guess I got burned a couple seasons ago on uh, a different wide receiver who had a, a really good freshman year or uh, rookie year when he was the, the only receiver that was of relevance on that team. But when, when Cortland Sutton got drafted by the Broncos, oh. I thought he was going to be the next Julio Jones. And one of the worst trades I ever did in a, in a two quarterback league was trading Cortland Sutton for, uh, for Dak Prescott. So, <laughs> It, it, it hurts every time to say out loud, but uh, we, we saw him basically be the only receiver of relevance and, and getting uh, peppered with targets. And then as soon as they drafted Jerry Judy and, and right. Hamler, we, we, well, we, we never got to see it the, the first season, um, but seeing that, that, uh, that split in the, in the targets and the, uh, in the, the Broncos offense this year, it, it really kind of showed Cortland Sutton's always going to be more of a, um, high-end wide receiver three, maybe more of a right. wide receiver two. So I am a little concerned that the Lions having so many good draft picks this year that they're going to bring somebody else in, and maybe we won't see Amon Rob uh, St. Brown have such a, a great season like he did in, in the last six weeks. But, yeah, looking at his his, uh, his profile from weeks 13 to 18, he had at least eight receptions, and um, he was scoring anywhere from 15 to 39 points in, in PPR. So I understand the excitement. We also saw who's the receiver for the Bills. Gabriel that Davis? That had, yeah. Yeah. So we saw Gabe Davis have that, that four touchdown game in, uh, against the Chiefs as well. And, and we see these these players' values spiking. So 
I don't know if you if I'm, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Would you would you take Amon Ross St. Brown or would you rather have Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave? That's so I do think that is a really good question. So I've heard of Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, uh, referred to as the sun god from basically like Drake London and a couple of other people at USC. So I don't know. I do. I do buy into it. I know his draft capital isn't like isn't great, won't be as good as it is from like a guy like Chris Olave or something like that. But I do still think. Uh, given the target volume that he was able to earn, even on a bad Detroit Lions team, I would probably have him over Olave uh, right now. I do think where, so where do you think Olave is probably going to go in like a rookie draft format? Probably like eight, seven, or like this first, you know, in the first, within the first six picks, I don't think he's going to be like a top three pick or anything like that. So we we always talk about super flex when it comes to picks and, and Sam and I have, have kind of talked about this, getting trade trading back in the first round or getting like the 201 or 202. I'm right. guessing Olave is probably going to go um, kind of like where, where Jalen Waddle was going, like basically right at the end of the first. I 110. Bet, bet 212. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would have Amon Ross St. Brown before them. I do think, you know, it is, and it is a question. I do think, you know, Cortland Sutton's obviously a decent comparison to what Amon Ross St. Brown did, but um, the weird thing with the Broncos, I would say, is Tim Patrick kind of emerged in a spot that no one else really projected. I do think that's kind of what cut into at least Cortland Sutton's production, but he was a guy that uh, actually did get a ton of opportunities from an air yards perspective, especially on like first read type throws in the Broncos offense, so I think maybe I'm not saying like, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is a worse quarterback than Jared Goff or anything, but it did seem that there's something happened where, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is just not capable of actually carrying uh, a, a wide receiver unit from a fantasy perspective when their defense is basically the unit that they're relying upon. So um, maybe there's something there with Cortland Sutton if he can actually get uh, an upgrade up quarterback from Denver. But I think if that's still his ceiling, there's still a number of, op- of you know, ranges where Chris Olave kind of ends up in that court and Sutton tier as well. So I like Amon Ross St. Brown from that perspective, but I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I, I like Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. I, I think wide receiver 20 in Dynasty, that, that's totally fine. So usually the, the wide receivers that I target in my Dynasty leagues, it's the, the Lockets, Cup, Jarvis Landry digs. So the, those guys that can really win in space and they're not just kind of the, the deep, deep big, yeah, yeah. guys like, like Sutton is. And so that's what I like about Amon Ross St. Brown is he, he can beat defenses in so many different ways. And you think of him as more of like a wide receiver too, he, because you, you always picture the ones as like DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, somebody that's, that's pretty big and physical. But so I, I feel like worst case scenario, he becomes the two, which that's probably more like what his his uh, I don't know today's NFL game plans is is designed for, where he kind of kills you with paper cuts and then let somebody right. else like Kenny Galladay. Not that he's going back to the Lions, but somebody like like that can take the deep stuff. But he's only competing with Hawkinson and Swift for those targets. So I feel like even if he just becomes a wide receiver too, he's still going to get a fair amount of targets, and and he's proven. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be curious to see what his catch percentage was because I feel like whatever they were throwing at him, he was coming down with it. So yeah. Right. He, yeah. I've mentioned Victor Cruz is one of my favorite old time uh, players, but he, he kind of just reminds me of a Victor Cruz where it's like, he's just so shifty and wherever they throw the ball, he just magically like glitches and just pops up and he's there. So right. yeah. yeah. So no, I, 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 I like the wide receiver 20. I like, I think that's a really interesting topic too. Like the, the wide receivers that you try and target in dynasty or something like that. And actually getting those guys who are, you know, shifty from a separation perspective and can win on short and intermediate routes. That's like where the volume is at. And that's where, especially in like a PPR league from a dynasty perspective, that's where you could win so much. Right. And that's where, you know, Cooper cup, a guy that had, you know, one of the best wide receiver seasons from a fantasy perspective that we've seen in quite some time. So um, I do think gravitating toward that skill set is a better approach to actually, you know, accumulate some hits from a dynasty perspective. But, you know, I think instead of like focusing on guys that are deep threats like Michael Pittman Jr. or even maybe to a lesser extent, Darnell Mooney, who uh, had a really high average depth of target even 2021. So I don't know. I do. I do like that mindset a lot. I think hopefully we're not all gravitating towards the same, you know, uh, guys that can separate basically over the middle here. But I do think that's like probably uh, the correct approach to get the best wide receivers uh, from a dynasty perspective. Well, the, and the best part of it too, a guy like Cooper cup, they'll, 
you, you know, 95% of the time, everything's within 10 yards. But then when he goes deep, even if he's double covered, the defense is not ready for it. So he can mm-hmm. still get you those 45-yard touchdowns here and there. So right. you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the volume. And then when he does get those deep shots, they pretty much always connect because nobody's expecting it. Right. No, I think that's a really good point. And I do think that's why people gravitated to, like, Elijah Moore last year, uh, you know, from a yep. rookie perspective. Because I do think, you know, people kind of see that skill set. Um, but, yeah, you look at other people like Hunter Renfro, right? And I don't think anybody would touch him from a dynasty perspective last year at this time. But he was a guy that was almost kind of a league winner doing the same thing, right? Like uh, short separation, intermediate separation, especially over the middle from the slot perspective. And I do think, you know, if you accumulate those guys, you're going to have week in and week out consistent fantasy performances, I think, on your roster. So I like I like that, you know, green, uh, you know, evergreen type of strategy a lot from, you know, a dynasty perspective. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to play in any more dynasty leagues with you, then, Ben. Come on. You're, you're going to be taking the same. We're all going to go for the one. same people, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. So that's good. All right. Well, I, maybe maybe I am a little too low on on uh, Saint Brown here. Oh, hold on a second. All right, you guys have me convinced that I'm probably a little too low on Amon Ross St. Brown, but I won't budge on this on this next player. And Ben, I'm looking here. You've got Chris Godwin as your wide receiver 27. <laughs> Defend yourself. Defend myself? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I feel like this is just me being lower on a because there's just so many good wide receivers, I think, more than anything else. And I do think... You know, choosing between 15 and 20, 27, 28 or something like that. Like a lot of it is more based on probably age factors than anything else. And I don't know. I mean, like we don't know where Chris Godwin's going to land from a free agent perspective. If he is in Tampa Bay, who's throwing him the football? If he's not in Tampa Bay, like where is he going? I do think Jacksonville, like if he lands in a spot like Jacksonville, I would be really excited for Chris Godwin, even from a dynasty perspective. I do think that probably moves him up into like a top 20 type of range. But outside of not knowing uh, and having that lingering over his head right now, I do think that 27 is at least somewhat of an accurate representation. Like looking at looking at some people in front of him, like who would you rather have, uh, you know, Marquise Brown or Chris Godwin right now? Oh, Godwin for sure. Godwin for sure. Lock it in. Michael Thomas or (laughs) Michael Thomas or Godwin. I, I'm I'm hands off with, with Michael Thomas, so I'm I gotta go Godwin. Got there. Godwin there, okay. I mean that's I mean that is moving him up quite a bit. Then I would say. So I I put I put Godwin in like the the DJ Moore and, and T Higgins, where they're I, I think they're they're just a very safe low end wide receiver one for for the next like three years. Where um it, it may, maybe maybe your rankings are are uh, projecting more in like the the five or six year where where guys right. are getting their their second contracts and and, and that's fair, but um, we, we just did a, uh, a startup draft with some other um, dynasty experts as well. Uh, we're actually just finishing that up today. Um, so you can not only draft players, but you're draft, drafting um, kickers instead of picks. So th- this is at the Super Duper Flex Bros Dynasty League for our, our fans that are that are listening right now. This this was a, another league that we're in, but um, j- just See, seeing it uh, where, where Godwin's falling to, I, I think he was like the the twentieth wide receiver taken in the draft. And I don't, after seeing him put up the wide receiver two season with with Jameis, and then he um, in only fourteen games he ended up being the wide receiver sixteen with with Brady last year. So I just feel like he's he, he's going to get the volume that you guys were talking about, where he's he's playing out of the slot. Uh, but then much like Sam was saying about Cooper Cup, he'll give you the occasional. 50 yard touchdown as well. So Sam, you're, you're going to have to split the difference here. And are you, can I split and say we can put him at like wide receiver 21 or 22? Cause yeah. here's, here, here's where, where I, I fall in line. And you, you, Ben, this is one more reason I can't play with you. Cause I think you're, you're valuing these guys the same way that I do. So I was telling Tom the other day, I keep um, trading away these top tier wide receivers on my team once once they hit so two years ago i had digs everywhere right. i think I, I i only have them in one more league um 
because he was being he finished as wide receiver one. So I was able to, to trade a lot for him. And this last season, I was trading away AJ Brown. Uh, and it in one league we're in, you can actually make trades in the playoffs. So I had to trade away AJ Brown for Mike Evans, and then Mike Evans got hurt, so I had to trade away Mike Evans for Tyler Lockett. So I, I, there's definitely a tier or two uh, between AJ Brown and. Tyler Lockett, but kind of shifting gears to my thoughts, like with the injury. So one argument that I've made with like Cam Akers with why I don't think he'll be a top 12 running back is because every season we see two or three rookie running backs come in and kind of push some of those guys down. So I think it's fair to say with Godwin, what is he? He's going to be 25 or 26. He might miss all of next season. So Tom, let's say he is wide receiver 15 in dynasty right now we're probably going to see two or three guys this next season push him down. So let's say wide receiver 18. And then when he does come back to play fully healthy in 2023, you might have two or three or four more guys push him down that he'd be at that wide receiver 22. So I, I agree. There's just so many wide receivers out there that you can play every week comfortably. You're not just throwing in like a Deshaun Jackson and praying that they catch a, a 50 yard touchdown. So yeah, I'd say I, I'll I'll split the difference and say we could put him at wide receiver twenty-two. Right. I think yeah, I think I definitely agree with you because there's just so much unknown, right? Like the injury situation, free agency, everything else. Like he could easily land in a, a poor, you know, receiving outlook for him if he ends up in a, you know a spot like Chicago with Allen Robinson, and you know that just completely kills his value from a dynasty perspective or a fantasy perspective. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, battling the injury as well. So I do think playing it more conservative, given the fact that we could see rookies take over some of these spots, we could see, you know, second year, third year guys as well as emerge. And I do think that, you know, you're trying to value those guys probably just a little bit higher than a guy like Chris Godwin at this stage in his career. So I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think I think being lower on him is maybe the correct spot. So I'm not I'm not giving in to Tom's demands here on this particular player for sure. So <laughs> this, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. He's <laughs> he, he still has room to move up. We're gonna see guys that are a little bit higher or a little bit, bit older than him, like like Diggs and, and Adam slowly fall down and Chris Godwin is is only gonna move up by the end of next season. I think I'd be willing to bet that. I don't know. I think I would much rather be buying into a guy like Diggs than uh, Chris Godwin, I would say for sure. And even Devontae Adams. If, if Devontae Adams is like one or two more years, and obviously this is all dependent on, you know, your roster outlook and if you actually can compete for a championship or not, which I, I cannot do in our league right now, right? So maybe that's why I'm undervaluing some of these guys. But um, I think especially a guy like Chris Godwin, like I'm never going to feel comfortable with him being my number one wide receiver, maybe even not my number two wide receiver in an offense. So uh, I'd rather just take shots on upside with younger players than than buying to him right now. I think, from my perspective, so. Well, and I do think you you bring up a good point of uh, what, really what is the difference between wide receiver fifteen versus wide receiver thirty, and right. I think this is what so many dynasty owners um, have have realized. And when it comes to doing startup drafts, the the smart move is always to trade back. Like whether you're able to accumulate a future first, move back. A round or two or, or uh, accumulate some some later on picks but um, right right now Jalen Waddle is, is valued as as like a top 12 wide receiver and St. Brown is um, barely in, inside uh, top 30 in, in consensus and um, if, if he has as good of a season as, as you guys are, are projecting that he could he could he could actually finish higher than, than Waddle it well, could, don't, ha- it don't, could don't, happen don't try to make me choose between Waddle or um, or Amon Ross St. Brown, because that's not going to be close. I, I I was saying last year, Waddle was my favorite wide receiver, including going up against Chase, and, and I'll, I'll budge a little bit and say that Chase is probably going to have a better career than Waddle, but I I think Waddle's big blow-up games uh, are probably still way ahead of him. So I'd, I'd be interested to see what Waddle's longest reception was this last season, because I think next year he probably puts up I don't know, five or six, 60 plus yard touchdowns. Right. I mean, if he does too, cause he had like the volume underneath, right? Like he was kind of the guy that we talked about earlier. And as far as like being able to separate underneath and if he can do that and also get some of those big type explosive plays, like he is, he is, you know, not necessarily on Chase's level, but he is very close to it. And probably a lot closer than what people give him credit for. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of reasons to still be uh, pretty excited about that rookie wide receiver class headed into the second season. I think, you know, buying into all of them is definitely something that 
I'm I'm definitely doing from a dynasty perspective, I would say. All right. Well, I feel like we've had a lot of good discussion, some some pretty good debates here. Um, I think I got to I, I got to take a little break here from our uh, our values on on players. because I feel like I'm, I'm getting beat up here tonight. So I, I prepared some uh, some trivia for the two of you. Um, if you're uh, ready to go down down memory lane, do you guys want to play some some dynasty tri- trivia? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. All right, so you're going to have to travel back to 2014. So I've got three players listed. Um, when, when either of you realize or uh, know who this player is, um, stop me and let me know who this uh, this player is. So the uh, the theme of these 2014 players, um, I've, I've been going through some of my rosters looking at, at players that I'm getting ready to drop with all these uh, uh, rookie picks that are that I'm going to be spending. So. These are these are players that I feel like I'm I'm pouring one out for tonight. So they they carry uh, little to no value going into into next season. So we'll see if uh, if you guys agree with me. But uh, player number one, this wide receiver was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft in 2014. After 982 receiving yards his rookie season, this wide receiver had his first and only 1,000 yard season in 2015. Any guesses? It's a little too far back for me. That's 2014. It's uh, uh, man, I don't even. All right, it's it's uh, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson, or Jarvis Landry. No, they were both second round draft picks, weren't they? You said first round draft pick. Yep, this is the first. Calvin Benjamin. Nope, it is not Benjamin. Is it? Is it Nelson Aguilar? Nope. Is it uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? Nope. <laughs> Here, we'll, we'll, we'll see after after the next clue. After an old season in 2016, this wide receiver went to his second team where he caught eight touchdowns in 2017. Was, was it Sammy? It was Sammy Watkins. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, good, good call, Ben. I, I, I should have known that one right away. <laughs> Yeah. I should have done so earlier. In, in 2018, this player went on to one of the best offenses in the league, the Chiefs. But in three seasons, uh, he never finished higher than uh, than wide receiver 52. So Sammy Watkins is a player that's been on the, the end of my dynasty rosters in a couple of leagues, and and he, he's going to be somebody that I'm going to drop because I don't. Why are they dropping can, him? You, you you can't even get a fourth round. Uh, uh, that's a good that's guy, a yeah. good trivia that's a good trivia but that 2014 class i mean they had they had clowny but outside of that it was kind of a disaster i would say for yep. the most part so right. vikings got yeah. anthony barr in the in like a top 10 pick though or something yeah. so yep you guys ready to move on to player number two yep all right along with sammy watkins this player was drafted with a top 10 pick in 2014 after a quiet first four seasons in the league, this player had 13 touchdowns in 2018. This is the Mike Evans season, isn't it? This, this was not Mike Evans. Here, here's another clue to go along with 2018. This player's quarterback retired after that 2018 season, but he had 13 touchdowns. Did you say this is a wide receiver? I, I did not say. <laughs> I feel but, like this but, was a tight end now. After, after clue number three, you guys might get this. This tight end was often criticized for his drops in college and the NFL. Ebron. It was Eric Ebron. Ah. <laughs> but the last clue I had was this player played in only eight games last season and caught Twelve of eighteen targets. So you just did that for my Pat Free Amruth love is the only reason you did that one. Huh? That, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, once again, Ebron, first round tight end. Um, at the bottom of some of my rosters, he's going to be a guy that I'll be cutting too because I don't even think. Once again, this 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 guy, I don't even think you can get ten dollars bad for. It. So Eric Ebron, you you you've been cut. And any any disagreement there? Or you None. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a free air move fan for sure, so I would totally agree with the Ebron cut. Yeah, you, you can go ahead and let him go. Let him drop. All right. So player number three. 
this quarterback was drafted in the first round of the 2014 draft. This quarterback has started for four different NFL teams. This quarterback has never passed for more than 18 touchdowns in a given season. This quarterback is known for wearing gloves, playing inside uh, and Teddy? outside. Teddy. Teddy. Yep, it was Teddy. Teddy two gloves. Yeah. So you, were all these players in 2014? Yep. All, all oh, three okay. of them. Okay. So what do you guys think about Teddy right now? I, I've seen in a couple of my FFPC leagues, and and people are trying to get a second round pick set for for Teddy still. Um, I, I was actually surprised to see that he never threw for more than 18 touchdowns in, in a given season. So um, you talk about a game manager. That was, that was definitely Teddy. Yeah. He, Teddy was always capped with what he was able to produce, even in super flex leagues. And yeah, I know people were really excited about what he was going into at Carolina with CMC and people were pounding the table that there's no way he's going to finish outside QB 12 and I'm, I'm sure he finished below that that season so yeah if you can get a second that's great but um, I would try to get a third and if uh, if nobody's biting I just drop him and let somebody else roster him I'm gonna pick Teddy Bridgewater up if you drop him I'll say that much so <laughs> that's fair that's fair you, you've got you've got more room on your bench I got a lot more room for those quarterbacks for sure so I've always been a Teddy Bridgewater fan I don't know I like him so We'll see. I think he'd do, you know, one or two more years in a decent free agent setting. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'd pick and, him and up if you drop him. Maybe a third round pick. We'll talk. We can talk off air. We'll see what happens. <laughs> if if I had any Teddy, I would do that. Maybe it's easy for me to say I dropped him right. since I don't have him anywhere. Right. <laughs> I'm 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 just all talk. And and for the fans out there listening to the show, um, when it, the the, fir- the first time that that I asked Ben to to be a guest on the show. We, we, we do still use Skype, and uh, Ben had to log into his, his old Skype account. And you, you want to tell the, the listeners what your, your account logo is? It still is. It still is. So I got Teddy Bridgewater from his rookie season uh, at training camp. My wife and I took a picture of him because we had Teddy Bridgewater uh, jerseys, and he ended up signing our jerseys. So I don't know. I, I do like Teddy Bridgewater. I still wonder what might have been if he wouldn't have torn his ACL that year for the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, alas, uh, we'll see what happens in 2022. But if you're selling Teddy Br- Teddy Bridgewater, I'm buying is all I can say still. So, All right. You, you heard it here first. Ben has given up multiple first-round picks for Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks thanks for playing, guys. That, that was that was fun going back in, in time and, and seeing these uh, these players that uh, you, you can only imagine what people were giving up for all three of these guys going into, into dynasty leagues where – you got a tight end that was drafted with the top 10 pick. And of course, Teddy um, going to the Vikings and, and all three of these guys were at the end of the day, day uh, a bust besides Ebron's one great season. But uh, moving on here for, uh, for those of you that, that don't know, last season was Ben's first time playing in a guillotine league. And he actually won our biggest league uh, that was uh, that featured the, the signed Adam Thielen helmet. Um, so, I, I gotta ask you, Ben. And in this the sixteen man league, you uh, you started with the uh, the one the one point oh eight pick. You, your team um, was you you drafted Kelsey in the first, Diggs in the second, Burrow in the third, Terrell Henderson in the fourth, Big Ben in the fifth, and Gaskin, Juju, Chenault, and Corey Davis for your bench. Um, your final team was Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, Devontae Adams, Kelsey, Cup, and Herbert. So. Um, when there's only two teams left, of course, uh, both teams are going to be completely stacked. But what what was your strategy for the season? Yeah, I mean, that is so I did participate. I have participated in a couple dynasty leagues in a couple years prior. I've only done it once. I don't think I, or I've only done it one other league for two years. I don't think I took it as seriously as I did this one. But um, it was interesting. I've had, you know, basically three years, I would say, to like really try and understand how best to approach dynasty leagues. And I do think that like the game theory of them makes it, makes a really interesting setup. And so what I at least did uh, in this particular one is like, I drafted Kelsey in the first round, which I would say was not a hit in the first round. I drafted Stefan Diggs in the second round. I would say he was not a hit either. Right. 
Uh, and looking back on it, like Kelsey was still in my lineup in the final week, but everybody else turned over. And I do think that taking targeted uh, approaches on players that you think can definitely exceed or finish at the top of their position uh, at the end of the season is kind of what I did with my uh, free agent dollars. And I do think that that free agent element, uh, that game theory type of element is like the uh, unique thing with guillotine league. So what I did is like I, Jonathan Taylor, I think it was like really early on. He had like one or two dud games, but it was clear that he was probably going to get a lot higher volume in that Indianapolis Colts offense than uh, what I had even considered in the preseason. So he was the guy that I spent like a ton of my free agent dollars on, ended up getting him. And he was kind of the key that actually carried me uh, at least to get through a lot of the rounds. So you don't necessarily have to have, you know, the top team every week, but you have to have a team with a really high floor. So getting a really good running back, getting the guy that, uh, you know, finished number one overall at the position in Jonathan Taylor really early on, I think helped my lineup quite a bit. So I think that's probably like one of my main approaches and takeaways is like take chances on guys that you actually believe in at certain positions can win uh, or can be the top guy at that position and get those guys and pay what you possibly, you know, anything that it probably takes because, uh, when you get towards the final couple of weeks, like having the absolute best player at that position means so much more than having like third or fourth guy. So um, I think taking shots when you when you absolutely feel strongly about that position uh, in the free agent pool is probably like the best way to win a guillotine league. And that was, you know, this is the first time I've ever won. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. It probably could be small sample size, but that's definitely going to be my approach, I would say, uh, heading into this next season where we can win a lot more good uh, you know, awards and prizes from you guys on the Superflex Pros, uh, you know, guillotine leagues that you guys have set up. So I'm excited to take part in all of them, that's for sure. Yeah, all I heard you say was you took Travis Kelsey in the first round of the right. guillotine league and you won the championship. <laughs> so I think I think that's a, a good way to simplify how, how you walked away with the championship. Right, right. The, I mean, tight ends matter way more than people give them credit for. Even in the, you know, a somewhat down the down year that Travis Kelsey had, like having someone who is going to be top four at the position every single year, as opposed to having to, uh, you know, stream that position, I think matters still, right? Even if it wasn't like the best performance every single week, like he still provided something from a floor perspective that you just couldn't find it in the other position. So I do think that, you know, that as well as probably an underrated element of actually winning the, winning the whole thing, I would say. All right. Welcome back. Uh, Sam had to step away for, for the rest of the night. So it'll just be uh, Ben and myself arguing about these, these players values going into next season, but we've got a couple of, couple of veterans, a couple of year two guys to talk about. And then uh, we've got some some rookies left in the in the show too. So the the first guy that I want to talk about is uh, Logan Thomas for the the Washington Commanders. I think that's the first time I've said that team name out loud. It just doesn't doesn't feel natural at all. But Logan Thomas is coming back for multiple injuries. He's going to be age 30 in 2020, the last season that he, he was fully healthy. He finished the season as tight end three with 72 receptions and six touchdowns. Um, currently, before the draft, the commanders still only have um, Terry McLaurin as their only dependable wide receiver. So at 6'6", 250 pounds, Logan Thomas has some great hands and is a dependable target for whoever the quarterback is going to be next year. So um, I'm still bought in on, on Logan Thomas. What, what are your thoughts, Ben? I'm I I would totally be like I would totally like to be selling Logan Thomas to you right now is what I would say I don't know I I I get like you know he could definitely have an impact on the Washington football team Washington Commanders team that you know needs targets but I like Terry McLaurin quite a bit I'm not sure what they're gonna have at the quarterback position he is still a little bit older coming off an of injury so from a dynasty perspective. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd be looking to unload him as opposed to actually probably trying to be by him given, given my current state of, you know, the rushes that I have in dynasty right now, which is not looking like they're going to win a, you know, a championship for the next year or two. I think Logan Thomas is a sell from that perspective. I would say the, the most recent draft that, that I'm, uh, I'm just finishing up right now. The, uh, the draft where you can either, um, take veterans or you can take kickers in place of, of rookie picks. Um, we saw Logan Thomas get drafted right before the 209. So if you were drafting a team today that you wanted to to be a, a contender, would you rather take that that 209 where you can get probably a uh, I think, outside receiver, or would you rather have Logan Thomas? 
I think 209 is fair. So I think if you're trying to win, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, a dynasty championship basically in the next year or two, and you don't have a top three tight end option, then Logan Thomas is definitely got it. I'm buying into at 2.09. If you have Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts or somebody like that, you, that you're going to start every single week, probably no matter what, uh, then Logan Thomas is probably not a guy that I'm going to touch at 2.09. That's that's my that's my take on it, but. Uh, I'm willing to be proven wrong, and I do think like you know the tight end position is probably undervalued from in fantasy more so than any other position. I would say so. Even in saying that, I do think Logan Thomas is still probably a sell uh, given that given that outlook. So yeah, yeah, I, I thought the, the 209 was interesting because I don't think anybody was ever paying a first for Logan Thomas, right. and you you can't get him for a third, so it, kind of a mid to late. Uh, range second was was uh I, I thought that was that was a pretty uh fair value so we've seen tight ends like antonio gates and, and jason wooden play until um and they have productive seasons until they're about 34 or 35 so with with logan thomas not really seeing the field very much for the start of his career and, and being age 30 i think he's a guy like like you said if you're just a, a tight end away from making a push at the championship i think i think you can get right. that second round pick and, and get Lo- logan thomas but uh, the last note that I had, I don't know if you've been following a lot of the um, pre-NFL draft on, on where some of these these quarterbacks are going to go, but there's been some chat about Sam Howell going to the Commanders, and I know you and I both were very excited about Diami Brown going next, next uh, to the, the Commanders or the, the Washington football team last year. So is that the perfect place for Sam Howell to go so he can unlock the Diami Brown potential? I think so. I mean, I don't mind it, right? I do think they they they're definitely a spot where they could bring in a free agent veteran quarterback and still have Sam Howell compete to be the starting quarterback. So I like that one quite a bit. I also think you know Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense for a rookie quarterback here uh, in 2022. But I like Sam Howell. I like Malik Willis. I do think that both of them uh, are probably undervalued from a dynasty perspective. It's going to be really interesting to see where they actually go. Uh, in a rookie draft league here coming up over the next couple months. But um, I like Sam Howell. I think I would have him as my number two quarterback uh, heading into the 2022 draft before the combine. Uh, and I do think that Washington or Pittsburgh, uh, if he lands there, I do think that probably increases value quite a bit. Yeah, Sam Howell's uh, projections on, on where he's going to get taken. I, I've heard anywhere from a first to being the sixth quarterback taken. So okay, there, that was there's, crazy. There's got, there's got to be a team that 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 either really likes him or or maybe right. Uh, there's there's things that some of his scouts are are seeing that that the rest of us are missing. But speaking of quarterbacks, the uh, the next player that I wanted to get your your thoughts on for their value. We saw Zach Wilson get taken um, right before the rookie 1.02 pick. So essentially, would you rather have Zach Wilson or do you want to take a chance on a guy like Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, or Sam Sam Howell next season? I think I think the only one that I'd really want to take over Zach Wilson right now is probably Malik Willis. And I do think that probably depends on where he actually ends up getting drafted. If he if he's in line to actually get, you know, starting reps as a rookie quarterback. Uh, here in 2022, I do think that puts him probably pretty close to where Zach Wilson is. But uh, Zach Wilson's probably got it a you know, bit higher on than the general market. So um, I do think that most people will probably have Malik Willis over him if he lands in the right situation. But uh, I put them more closer on an even keel. And I do still think Zach Wilson's probably the correct, the correct guy to probably be buying into from a dynasty perspective, even if. Uh, Malik Willis ends up in a really good spot. And other than that, you know, Kenny Pickett, I'm not high on. Uh, Sam Howell, maybe, you know, I would probably have him over Kenny Pickett in a lot of situations. But both of those guys, I would definitely need to be sold on uh, their landing spot before really buying into them as even being on the same tier as Zach Wilson. So, yeah. So if, if any of these quarterbacks get drafted, right, I should ask which, which team. Would you really like to see uh, draft a draft a quarterback that you would, you would like over Zach Wilson? Whether that's the the Broncos or the Steelers or, or the Panthers, is there a team that you think the quarterback goes to and we could see them have a, a Justin Herbert type rookie season? 
I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if the Steelers would have a Justin Herbert type rookie season because I do think they'll probably rely on their, you know, their defense a lot more than what they would ever like, you know, turn the ball over to a rookie quarterback. But I do think like the the receiving unit that they have around them, the skill position players that they have around them, the defense that could potentially win them some football games. That's kind of intriguing from my perspective. So I do think Pittsburgh's probably like my number one landing spot. Denver, like you said, number two, given the receiving unit as well. So I don't know. People like Carolina, and I do think it makes a lot of sense with Christian McCaffrey, with DJ Moore. Uh, but Matt Rule's a guy that I just have not probably bought into at the NFL level. Um, so I think that uh, they're probably my third tier option. But I think as we get closer to, you know, redraft fantasy football, August, you know, training camp with those sorts of things that it, uh, it's probably going to be Pittsburgh, Denver, and then Carolina. But those three are probably like really intriguing options from a rookie quarterback perspective here in 2022. So, yeah, and, and I, I agree with you with with the with the Panthers too. I'm I'm starting to feel like that offense is just fool's gold. Where they 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 brought in Sam Darnold and and you thought, hey, he you know he should be able to at least get 10 passing touchdowns to McCaffrey just just mm-hmm. dumping the ball off to him. So you could probably get another 12 or 15 touchdowns minimum between his receivers and tight ends. Right. Well, yeah, that, that, that definitely didn't happen. <laughs> right. No, I mean, yeah. I mean like the Robbie Anderson thing was kind of weird in Carolina, but yeah, like DJ Moore was really good early on and then like didn't do anything. And Christian McCaffrey obviously got hurt. Chaba Hubbard was like completely non-relevant at the quarterback or the running back position. So I don't know. I think the whole, my whole takeaway is that Matt rule is probably not as good of a, coach offensive type guy that we really you know people are giving him credit for so that's probably why i don't want to buy into a spot where ricky corbett goes to carolina but i don't know i don't love that offense uh you know from matt rules perspective i would say more than anything else yep yep i i won't uh try to talk you into it either but the uh the the first episode that the two of you uh of us ever did um we were both very excited about rondell moore um so the the next two players i've got here um, we saw Rondell Moore get taken right before the, the 202 rookie pick. And we saw Christian Kirk get taken um, right before the 2.06 rookie pick. So um, currently, Rondell Moore is being valued um, higher than, than Christian Kirk. So we did see Christian Kirk finish as the wide receiver 26 this season. Uh, one of the stats that I was actually covering or uh, keeping track of because I, I saw him get stopped so often in the first three games, but uh, Christian Kirk actually got stopped inside the two yard line five times this past season. So if he could have converted those receptions into touchdowns, he actually would have ended up as the wide receiver 18 in 2021, uh, right in between Jalen Waddle and and your favorite wide receiver, uh, Chris Godwin. There we go. But, but then, but then there's also the the upside that that uh, dynasty players like yourself and I were really excited. With uh, with Rondell Moore, and, and if uh, if Kirk doesn't get resigned, Rondell Moore would would become the wide receiver two opposite Hopkins, and we know uh, Kingsbury's uh, Kingsbury's going to be really creative and with uh, getting getting the ball to Moore. So, um, who, which which receiver do you think uh, is is worth more in um, in dynasty right now, or, or which one would you be trying to trade for? Yeah, I definitely think it's Rondell Moore. So, and I you know I have him in a couple spots, but. Um, I do think everything basically broke correctly for Christian Kirk in 2021. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins getting hurt, him kind of assuming this number one wide receiver role in that Cardinals offense, especially downfield. You know, they brought on Antoine Winfield as well. People were kind of clamoring for Rondell Moore to be more involved. He wasn't really. So I do think that from like an expectation standpoint, Christian Kirk definitely exceeded expectations in 2021. Rondell Moore didn't whatsoever. Uh, but I do think, like, moving forward, uh, you're probably buying into Christian Kirk at, at his high, Rondell Moore closer to his low. So I think, um, you know, those picks make a lot of sense. I think Rondell Moore, you know, given that he could definitely be the wide receiver too, maybe even close to a 1B option in the Cardinals offense if they do use him right, especially, uh, you know, given the four wide receiver sets, given what, you know, you know Cliff Kingsbury probably drafted Rondell Moore for. I like him quite a bit, so I would be maybe even reaching for him more so than what you saw in that particular draft slot. And I like, I like him quite a bit. So I'm still, I'm still acquiring him for one more year. I do think that, you know, this sophomore year for him is probably going to be make or break as far as like how much volume he can actually get from a, you know, a, a target perspective at the wide receiver position in the NFL. But I still think he's a guy that can separate underneath. So he's a guy that I definitely want. 
uh, you know, more opportunities with from a dynasty perspective. So I like I like Rondomar. I like him a lot more than Christian Kirk right now. Yeah, I I, I think I'm biased. I've uh, I, I've I've drafted or traded for Christian Kirk in, in almost every dynasty league that I'm in. So I think I'm still going to be stubborn here and and say that I like Kirk more. But I will say, um, I think we've seen Kirk's ceiling with the Cardinals. Right. So if, uh, if if the Cardinals do end up re-signing him, but we, we've seen him finish as wide receiver 28, 51, 45, and 57. So that's the, the you know, the, the wide receiver 20, 28 isn't horrible, but it's not really a guy that's that a ce- That feels like a ceiling, right? Like, I think that yeah. is probably close to a ceiling. But so. if there's a team like the Patriots that are really missing an alpha and he can go um, – to a to a team with that that might uh maybe a change of scenery will will help them be able to finish closer to that that wide receiver 20 or or inside a uh 20 and in 2022 then then i think I'm, I'm taking a chance on him so if he gets traded or if he resigns then i think i'll be i'll be trading him away yeah but i can i can definitely i can i can definitely agree with that for sure all so. right well, I'm glad we were able to agree on on, uh, on one assessment thing. tonight, Ben. <laughs> All right, moving on. A wide receiver that should see a pretty nice payday, even though he ended with an injury this past season. But uh, Michael Gallup, he finished as the wide receiver 19 in 2019 as a wide receiver to, to Amari Cooper. And then in 2020, he was the wide receiver 35 after uh, battling for targets between Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. In 2021, he only played nine games and finished the season with a torn ACL. Um, do you see any scenario that, that Gallup could uh, possibly finish as a, inside the, the top 25 again, or do you think there's too much talent coming in and he's just going to be kind of the, the, the forgotten man? Yeah, I still think I, – I think we need to see one more year from before I'd really buy into him from a dynasty perspective. I don't know. Like, I think the best-case scenario is if Amari Cooper does get traded – uh, and he does come on and actually be that number two wide receiver in the Cowboys offense, and it is really good, and Dak Prescott's playing closer to his ceiling. But outside of that, uh, he's just not a guy that I want to touch from a dynasty perspective. So I'm not I'm not buying into Michael Gallup for sure in 2022. And uh, for context, we did see him go right before the, the 206. So it looks like dynasty players are still valuing him as a, a mid-second round, round player. Right. But those, those are all... Um, things that, that you brought up um, in, a, in a recent interview with Gallup uh, he said he believes he's going to be resigned actually said I did enough here in Dallas over the last four seasons to get what I deserve um, I don't know if he's had too many conversations with, with with Jerry Jones Jerry doesn't really like to open up that that checkbook for, for players too often so I, I thought that was pretty interesting but we'll see see what happens maybe maybe Gallup doesn't get get uh, resigned and could maybe go to the Washington Commanders and play next to, to Terry McLaurin. So I think that'd be one of my my dream locations for for him to end up. Right, but I feel like that hurts like your Logan Thomas thing then too, right? And I do think that getting the actual legit wide receiver two in Washington probably hinders at least one of those two guys, either Michael Gallup or Terry McLaurin or Logan Thomas. So. I don't know. I know. I know. There's a lot of miles to feed, but I still want to know who the quarterback's going to be before uh, probably buying into that situation. I would say. Yeah. A- absolutely. So I, I know this next running back is a guy that that you and I probably value more than the the consensus, but that's our boy uh, Naheem Hines. He uh, went right before the uh, 3.03. I think that I don't think you can trade a third round pick for for Hines. Actually, I was the one to draft him, so I'm curious to see. Your thoughts on, on Hines? He finished as the RB27 his rookie season in 2018 when he caught 63 receptions from Andrew Luck. Um, we saw his ceiling in 2020 when he finished as RB15 when he had 60, 63 receptions again and seven touchdowns. So I think it was um, pretty obvious to say that he was going to regress in 2021. Um, he finished as RB49, so I think that was a little more regression than I, I think uh, – People like myself were, were hoping for with them being on, on a lot of our dynasty leagues, but he only saw 56 carries. Um, and I, I think part of that was that they, they were feeding Jonathan Taylor and, and he can, he can certainly handle 25 to 30 um, touches that, that uh, a game that, that Jonathan Taylor, that is. Um, but I feel like maybe they'll after we saw Derek Henry get hurt and we've seen all these other elite running backs um, kind of break down as the season goes 
on. I, I want to believe that they're going to feature Hines more in the offense and not ride Jonathan Taylor so much. So right. am I, am I, am I uh, just, is this another Christian Kirk that I'm just, I'm holding out hope for? I don't think so. Cause I do think like, like what you said, right? Like we, Jonathan Taylor basically got greatly exceeded his target and touch expectation in the Colts offense in 2021. And the Colts were also winning in a lot of those games, right? Like the Colts were better than expected, probably, you know, came close to exceeding their win total expectation, should have made the playoffs if they didn't end up losing to Jacksonville. Uh, and I do think they played played from ahead in a lot more games than what people projected. So I do think that cut into Hines quite a bit. I do think that you're probably buying into Jonathan Taylor at his ceiling. And I do think that, and conversely, you're, you know, Naheem Hines is probably sitting close to his floor, right? Because I do think if, the Colts are anywhere worse than what they were in 2021, uh, and they don't have a quarterback. Carson Wentz probably is going to be back in 2022. Uh, going to have to fill out that position without having the you know, first round draft pick in the next in the upcoming NFL draft. So um, I think Hines could be on the field a little bit more. I do think he's going to see a lot more checkdowns. Uh, so I think he could be closer to you know running back 30 than running back 49, running back 50 like he saw in 2021. I do think that probably cuts into Justin, John, Jonathan Taylor's expectation. Probably sees him finish, you know, closer to, you know, running back five, running back eight, as opposed to being the best running back in the NFL in 2021. So I I like maybe fading uh, Jonathan Taylor a little bit, buying into Naeem Hines, but I would have said that going into 2021, and I was, like, definitely wrong from my perspective. So I don't know. I, I buy into Hines. I'm with you. Uh, but I, I've already been burned once, so I don't know if I should be burned again, basically, is kind of what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I think when it comes to Heinz, you and I are both going down with the ship. If, uh, right, right. Together, if he uh, has another <laughs> outside RB uh, 45 season in, in 2022. But I'm glad that's another play you're, you and I can agree on. So we're kind of kind of going on, getting on a little bit of a roll here. But yeah, the next running back, um, Cam Akers, we saw get taken right before the, the 102 in this, in this draft. So um, I'm sure you've been following and, and hearing the rumors that this is a running back class so um would you rather have cam Akers or the 102 and uh i, I think we'll probably see Brees hall get taken at the 101 in most rookie drafts this right. year and that includes Superflex. i, I just I, i'm a big Brees hall fan i've been waiting two years for him to come out so i can't i, I I'd, I'd be very disappointed if he if he lets us down which i don't see happening but would you rather have Cam Akers, or would you uh, rather take a chance on a guy like Isaiah Spiller? Kenneth Walker the fourth, or, or uh, Kenneth Walker the third, I believe. The third. No, I would. <laughs> I would probably lean. I would probably lean more towards the rookie running back situation than I know. Cam Akers obviously has shown a lot of talent. Came back from an injury that not a lot of people expected him to be able to come back from uh, that early on, but wasn't overly productive in those games. I do think the Rams have shown the propensity to, uh, you know try and fill that position as quickly as possible if there is some sort of injury. So I do think there's probably always going to be competition there in that particular backfield. I don't think Akers is ever going to be, you know, legit 90% of the, you know, uh, offensive snaps, 75% of the rushing attempts, 25%, you know, 15% of the target share or something like that. So uh, I'd be selling him. I do think that I probably like Kenneth Walker just a little bit more. I also think, you know, like you said, Brees Hall, uh, is definitely going to be probably the workhorse back, but I think maybe taking a shot at a quarterback in the right system as well, especially in the Superflex League, makes a lot more sense than uh, taking Cam Akers at the 1.02. So this is the one spot where I'm definitely willing to roll the dice on the rookie draft as opposed to taking uh, the 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 veteran that maybe more people are buying into than I am, I would say. Yeah, I, I I feel like uh, maybe you and I are on the same page when it comes to Cam Akers. I feel like so many dynasty experts or, or professionals out there, they're either very bought into Cam Akers or they're completely hands off. And and I have a lot of shares of Akers. So I hope he's good, but I just I just don't know right now. I mean, he he's coming back from the the Achilles tear in less than a year. He's still only 22 years old. Um, this this Rams offense being so explosive and having so many goal line opportunities, he he could easily finish it as an RB one again. Um, and then he looked great against the Cardinals. Um, but then in that, the, the game against the the bucks, he had those, those two costly fumbles and then, and then the Bengals game, they, it seemed like the, the Bengals were just kind of um, cutting through that, that Rams offensive line. So we didn't really get, get a chance to see how we looked in, in the super bowl. So he's, he's a guy that I, I really don't ha- have, have a take on it right now. So. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think you either buy into them or you're like completely off. And I think uh, enough people are completely off that we need to see something basically in 2022 before uh, the market's really going to be there in order to probably, you know, either sell them or uh, do anything else with them, I would say. So I do I do really like Wandell Robinson in this class. Um, I do think he's, the, you know, kind of the guy that we talked about earlier that can definitely, like, win underneath, can kind of get a high target volume in the right offense. So I think if you're taking a flyer on anybody from a dynasty perspective, he makes a lot of sense. I also like Jerome Ford. I know you said it earlier. It was, like, a deep running back class. So we could see, unfortunately, like, you know, their draft class or draft stock or whatever kind of pushed down because there's so many good ones once again here in 2022 but uh is the guy that i definitely like is able to kind of like consistently find holes uh in the right spots in that rushing offense and i do think that he's a guy that given if he lands in the right spot as well i uh, could definitely pay off in like an elijah mitchell type of situation uh for dynasty players in 2022 so i like those two guys quite a bit We'll see. I don't know. I, I don't have a ton of other like really good sleepers right now. I do think like the NFL combine coming up over the next couple of days, uh, we're going to see people, uh, you know, obviously draft stock take off quite a bit, especially at the skill positions. But um, those are two guys that I like right now. And I do think that uh, given, you know, the news that we have coming out of the combine right now, uh, I do think they are probably the correct people to buy into from a dynasty perspective. I don't know who do, who do you like from you know yeah. kind of this well, early early combine situation sort of thing. And and, and so the, the the last time that that uh, you and I did a show together, I believe it was week ten or week eleven um, of the, the NFL season, and we talked a little bit about these rookies. And you brought up Tyler Algier as your your favorite sleeper running back, which at the time he he was a sleeper, and for whatever reason i think the right person uttered his name on twitter or something right, now right. algier is probably maybe maybe not a first round pick but he's probably getting taken uh very very early second these days so there's there's a there's a big um hype train that, that we're all aboard when it comes to tyler algier so when we talked about doing this episode together i told you i need i need another, another sleeper running back and it can't it can't it can't be algier anymore <laughs> Uh, but for, uh, for for my my favorite guys right now, um, I was just just telling Sam earlier tonight, um, Sky Moore. I don't know if you if you've heard anything yep. about him, but he he. So I might get burned here again because he reminds me of Christian Kirk and Odell Beckham, a guy who who uh, can win in the slot. But if you if you put him out wide, um, he's he can he can win that way too. Um, I, I love seeing the the, the tackle breaking ability. So. Um, he, he's definitely a guy that I'll be chasing in the in the second rounds. Um, I've seen a lot of people that have have said that they they hope that he goes to a team like the 49ers where he can be um, used in a in a versatile uh, way like like Devo Samuel. But at the same time, I think everybody hopes that their their receiver running back goes to the 49ers so they can be part of that that uh, that Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, and then when it comes to uh, running back, my my favorite sleeper right now is uh damian pierce out of out of florida so he only had 100 carries in 2021 but um, he scored 13 touchdowns so basically um one out of every eight carries he was getting a touchdown so um it's a super small sample size but when i watch the tape he he reminds me of, of chris carson where he's just just a, a a big running back that he's a, a sneaky good receiver and he he loves taking on um, those linebackers. So he's he's probably one of the best uh, ranked blocking uh, running backs in, in this class. So um, I'm I'm really excited to see where he goes, and that's kind of the guy that I'm targeting in uh, in third rounds this season. Yeah, yeah. I think Damian Pierce, like the, I think the Florida offense and like maybe the Florida team in general, basically had a really weird year, right? Like definitely down. Nobody really performed yeah. up to expectations. So I do think buying into somebody there who definitely had the talent. Uh, you know, even coming out, you know, like the, you know, 247 rated and everything else as far as like being like a blue chip type 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 talent. Uh, I do think maybe buying into some of those guys makes a lot of sense. And yeah, Sky Moore, I mean, I do think uh, a lot of really smart people think he's probably going to maybe run the fastest uh, 40 yard dash time at the NFL combine coming up here over the next couple of days. So uh, if he does that, I think we're going to see his draft stock, you know, skyrocket basically. But I do think, you know, in general, he's a guy that can definitely fly, uh, landed in the right situation. Uh, he's definitely a guy that I think you want to take some shots on. So I definitely, I definitely like the sky more 
uh, call out. I think Damian Pierce as well makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they actually end up from, you know, a drafting perspective, because I do think that's when you can really evaluate, uh, you know, the, the draft capital used on them and what they're actually going to be able to produce in their rookie, sophomore and, you know, you know, junior campaigns, I would say, at the NFL level. Yeah, and, and I heard you try to sneak that that pun by me. You said Sky Moore's draft stock is going to skyrocket. Skyrocket. I, I, skyrocket. I, I, I got that. But uh, going back to, to, to your sleeper wide receiver, I don't think we, we really touched on uh, Wendell Robinson enough yet, but um, he was super quiet at Nebraska, and then it seemed like he was Kentucky's entire offense last year right. with 445 yards from scrimmage. So um, even though there's, uh, there's players like Justin Ross, and uh, George Pickens, uh, Drake London, a, a ton of other receivers that I think will get taken uh, ahead of them. That's that's not, not a bold take at all. I, I think that's um, pretty pretty well known out there. But but Wondell Robinson probably has the most exciting um, game tape um, when when you're right. out scouting the, the, these receivers. So he had uh, Sam and I both um, had our player comparison was Kadarius Tony, which. I, I don't. I don't even know what that means because we saw one good game out of Tony, right. and we don't. We don't know if we're, if we're ever going to see that again. So, um, yeah. If if I'm if I'm staring down a handful of uh, wide receivers in the at the end of the second and for the early third and, and Sky Moore's guy, I'll definitely take take a shot on, on Robinson. Right. Right. That's what I, I like that one too. I, I mean, you do, you do have to have some dart throws. I do think you know gravitating toward the people that can win underneath that are really fast that can create separation. Uh, you know, at the college football level, I do think it makes a lot of sense toward the end of the dynasty draft. So I like both those players. I'm going to be probably sniping Sky more from you, I think, after this one, though, for sure. Yeah, so. I'm I'm letting out too too many of my secrets right here. Right. So I got to start right. reaching right. out and and uh, getting some and uh, jumping you on on this draft board here. <laughs> All right. So the last question I have for you: Who is the most underrated quarterback from this class? I know it's already talked about. This is a weak class, but is there a quarterback that you think? is being slept on that that uh, could actually um, be, be a pretty good, good, valuable dynasty asset for years to come. Yeah, I mean, I do think it, like I would take this from like the Minnesota Vikings perspective, right? And what, what is the quarterback that I'd be excited if the Vikings drafted? And I do think that is Malik Willis and Sam Howell. I think both those guys have shown traits to be elite level type quarterbacks in certain situations, given the right context. And I do think that, you know, if the Vikings could provide that, they could be relevant fantasy football contributors at the quarterback position for a long time. So I like Sam Howell. I like Malik Willis uh, for somewhat different reasons, but I do think that, uh, you know, they're guys that can potentially win at the NFL level. And I do think that they can definitely perform from a, you know, a fantasy perspective as well. So those are, those are my two, not necessarily underrated anymore. Cause everyone's talking about Malik Willis and Sam Howell is basically like what, like the top three, top four, top five quarterback in this draft class. But uh, those are two guys that I do I do buy into it. I do think are going to be better given, given the current, you know, narrative around this particular quarterback class. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm, I'm going to see if I can, if I can stretch you a, a little bit thinner when I throw this name at you. Do, you. do you have any interest in Carson strong, the quarterback out of Nevada? I'd, I would like to see where he measures that. I would say at the combine, I would like to see what he actually does in his pro day, but um, you know, there's been you know, there's been some intrigue around him. I do think that he's probably a guy that I'm buying into probably later than everyone else right now or other people. Uh, but if he shows some things, I would say over the next couple of months, then he's definitely a guy that I could maybe get more excited about uh, heading into that August September time frame. Yeah, he it, with uh, multiple surgeries on on the same knee. Right. That, it it sounds like that's basically all people were asking him about right. at, at the Senior Bowl, but. Um, watching him play and just how how accurate he is uh, delivering the ball deep, he he reminds me of Nick Foles, and I know that might might not be a, a sexy name that a lot of people get excited about hearing, but um, I, I I think he could, he could be a good good pocket passer. Of course, he's not going to have the upside of a a rushing Malik Willis or or Sam Howell, but I th- I think there might be a team in in the later first round that uh, that might fall in love and and uh, take take a shot on, on Carson Strong. So. He's a guy that I'll be targeting in uh, early or, or uh, mid second round. But if he goes in the first, I'm guessing he'll be um, this too much. Uh, yeah. Mac Jones, where he'll he'll actually get get taken um, it, right. with, with a top ten pick. So uh, draft capital will definitely uh, be a a strong factor in, in where he goes in the, these uh, these dynasty leagues. But I, I like I like what I've seen 
out of out of curse and strong coming back from those those injuries. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do agree. I think the draft capital evaluating that before really probably buying into it makes a lot of sense. So um, yep. I, I'm 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 taking a wait and see approach. But so so maybe maybe Mac Jones maybe not Mac Jones because I think we all knew he was going to be taken <laughs> in the um, NFL first round, but. Uh, maybe, maybe he's going to be this year's Jordan Love, where people are going to be completely surprised when he when he gets taken in the first round. I think I think it would take one team basically completely falling in love with him. I do think there's probably some other quarterbacks that make sense that it's going to happen before Carson Strong. But uh, weirder things have happened, I would say, in the NFL draft. So what I wouldn't put it past him. But if that happens, then uh, I, I think he's probably definitely a buy spot for. Uh, at least that initial window from a dynasty perspective. Uh, well, Ben, I want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight on the Super Duper Flex Bros. Is there any uh, anywhere that the the followers can find you working over there at, at Pro Football Focus? And yeah, and more so, importantly, what what are what are you working on? This is uh, this is the off season. This is dynasty season. And dynasty, yes, dynasty. Now, so you're working all kinds of things. It's on. It's dynasty season, combine prop season. No, I'm doing. I have a few projects behind the scenes, basically trying to revamp various, you know, tools and things at PFF, and you know, trying to get you know better on the social media account. Trying to, you know, trying to, uh, you know, find things that uh, consumers find valuable either in season or out of season. So uh, it's nice to actually have some time to, you know, take a step back and probably reevaluate some things. So that's what we're doing right now. We're hiring a lot of people as well to hopefully continue to bring you know the best you know pff tools grades and everything else to to the subscribers so you can find me at pff underscore ben brown you know i'll be around i uh, do the pff betting podcast and there's a lot of other things we have happening in the off season but also you know heading into football season which is going to be here before we know it right so uh looking forward to it for sure that's right. Go go uh, add Ben on on social media. I'm yes. I'm, I'm not on it, so I I got to get on it. I I know I know that the listeners out there are so. Well, well, Ben, thanks again for uh, for joining us. You remember how to get us out of here? You got to keep it flexy.